from Exodus chapter 29, verses 1 through 21. And Pastor Pete, I promise I'll complete the lesson today. I missed two verses the last time. <laughs> anyway. Now this is what you should do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. Take one bull of the herd and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them of fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket and bring the bull and the two rams. You shall bring Aaron and his two sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments and put on Aaron the, the coat and the rod, uh, sorry, robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastpiece and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall set the turban of his head and put the holy crown on the turban. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put coats on them. And you shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes and bind caps on them. And the priesthood shall be theirs by a statute forever. Thus you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. Then you shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord at the entrance of the tent meeting. And then, and, and shall take part in the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger. And the rest of the blood you shall pour out at the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails and the long robe of the liver and two kidneys with the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull and its skin and its dung you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Then you shall take one of the rams and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the ram and you shall kill the ram and shall take his blood and throw it against the sides of the altar. Then you shall cut the ram into pieces and wash its entails and its legs and put them with its pieces and its head and burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. You shall take the other ram and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the ram and you shall kill the ram and take part in its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron, on the tips of the right ears of the sons, and the th on the thumbs of their right hands and the great toes of their right feet, and throw the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. Then you shall take part of the blood that is on the altar and of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and his sons' garments with him. He and his garments shall be holy, and his sons and his sons' garments with him. This is the word of the Lord. So we're continuing in our sermon series, The Tabernacle, The Dwelling of God. And it began back in January with the question, 
that the Israelites ask, is the Lord among us or not? Now, we reveal if we believe the Lord is among us by what we do. God asks us, asks us to do something for him that shows that he is at the center of our life together. And God gave an answer to this question about his presence among his people by inviting the people of Israel to make a place, a mobile sanctuary called the tabernacle that would go with the people. And this place would remind the people that God is present with them and ensure that worship of God is central to their identity as a people wherever they go. Well, from that point, we've seen descriptions of how the tabernacle was to be made, descriptions of what the furnishings were to be and how they were to be made. And then most recently, we've seen descriptions about all the different types of clothing that the priests would wear. And now the scripture turns to preparation for worship and ministry. And since worship of God shapes who we are and what we do, we need to answer these questions. How does one draw near to God? How does one enter his presence? And how are we prepared to worship and minister? Well, earlier this week, winter came for the first time. And with the snow, my kids and I, we like to go sledding when there's enough snow, when there was enough snow where we live. And so I helped to get my kids ready to go out in the snow. And it wasn't a simple process. First, we put on warm undergarments. Then we got on snow pants, boots, scarves, hats, zipped up coats, and then tried to put on the gloves in a way that would make them less likely to fall off when they were in the snow. We had to do all of that to get ready to go sledding. But there were still further preparations needed. Once we got outside all bundled up, we had to go to the shed and open the shed and get the sleds out from the shed and then walk all the way to where the sledding hill was before we could start sledding. In Exodus 29, making the people ready to be in the presence of God involved the process of making holy Aaron and his sons. Aaron was made holy so the people could have access to the presence of God. As high priest, Aaron would bring the people into God's presence. If you remember, the high priest had over his ephod a breastplate, and on the breastplate were all these precious stones, and engraved on each one of the precious stones was the name of one of the tribes of Israel. So Aaron was bringing the people into God's presence. And so the first step of preparing the priests was consecration making them holy in preparation for their ordination. And that involved washing and dressing in the specially prepared clothes and anointing with oil. All of this was done to draw near to God. But further preparations were needed. There were three sacrifices, a sin offering, a food offering, and an ordination offering that were made 
for their ordination. In order for Aaron and the other priests to minister, they also had to be ordained. They had to be made holy for ministry. Well, my oldest son was born in December, just after a big snowstorm. And in order for us to get to the hospital where he would be safely born, others had to get ready to go out in the snow. But they needed to do more than just go out in the snow. They needed to plow the roads. They had to do work that would help us get where we needed to go safely. So our scripture is about making holy. It's this making holy so someone can have access to the presence of God. And this making holy requires ongoing and complex action. It involves submitting ourselves to God, acknowledging sinfulness, and being purified. But that's not where the scripture leaves things. It goes further to describe being made holy for ministry. The scripture doesn't stop with just making a way to draw near to God. The scripture shows how the priests are prepared to do the work God has for them. Making holy for ministry is making God's presence and power available to us impure, sinful people in order to facilitate the connection of ourselves and others to God. Our scripture describes this process of making holy the high priests and the other priests, but making them holy to facilitate both drawing near to God in worship, but also engaging in the ministry of drawing others to God's presence. Do you want to be holy? As we live life, we see times that aren't good. We face challenges and struggles. There's questions about meaning in life and what's going to bring purpose to who we are. And in the midst of this oftentimes confusing up and down life, we discover this desire to insulate ourselves, to protect ourselves from the world's darkness. We have this desire to find meaning. And it may take a while, but when we see how limited we are to do this, to insulate ourselves, to, um, to find meaning on our own, when we see the finite nature of our lives, when we start seeing how our selfishness, our attempts to do this hurt others, we want to be different. We want to be changed. We need to be holy. We need to be made holy, to submit ourselves to God and be purified so we can draw near to the presence of God in worship. However, as we look to be insulated from the world, as we look to find meaning, we often take it upon ourselves to make holy. 
as we look to draw near to God. We determine for ourselves and for others what is holiness, what one must do to draw near to God. The desire for holiness and encounter with God can be used to control others in an arbitrary, selfish way. One of the ways I've experienced that in church is being told by some that the practice of speaking in tongues, speaking in a special prayer language, is what gives real evidence of holiness. It identifies those who are truly worshipers, those who truly believe. Now, while that um, might not resonate so much for you and here in our congregation, we can do similar things to use holiness to make sure that we're the ones who are qualified to be in the presence of God, but keep others away from God unless they fit the criteria for holiness that we choose. Here's a couple of ways that we can check to see if this applies to us. Do we look down on others as less faithful? Do we subtly consider others' worship inferior to ours? Well, maybe that's not the concern. Um, Maybe the way that Um, We're looking to insulate ourselves, the way that we're looking to find meaning, um, the way that we're looking to make ourselves holy is actually sort of on the other side of things, where we reduce holiness and drawing near to God to something more understanding and more approachable. A fancy term to describe this is moralistic therapeutic deism. Okay, forget I said that. Basically, we decide it's enough to believe in God, to do the right things, and to feel good. As long as we feel good, that's what really matters. Holiness is reduced to feel-good morality, niceness, and reasonableness. This is faith emptied of transformational power and significance. This pseudo-holiness meets our needs and makes us feel good, but it actually keeps us and others from God's presence. Here are a couple of questions to ask to see if this might apply to us. Do our lives look any different from our neighbors who don't believe? Do we come to worship God even when we don't feel like it? It's easy to make holiness and drawing near to God in worship all about us. When we draw near to God only by God's grace. I'm paraphrasing from Hebrews chapter 10. We have confidence to enter the presence of God by the blood of Jesus. He is our great priest who has made us holy. It's by God's self-giving in Jesus Christ that we're purified and draw near to him. It's Jesus Christ who makes us holy. As we consider Exodus 29 and the priests being made holy so they can draw near to God in worship, 
That's not all there is. That's only part of what happens. There's more. The priests are made holy for ministry. They're made holy to do the work of connecting others to God in an ongoing way. If you noticed, when we're the ones doing the work of defining holiness, of making holy, ministry is limited. Without acknowledging what God has done for us in Jesus, we become naturally self-serving. We try to ensure our access to God, but in doing so, we don't connect others to him. Imagine a doctor being educated about healing, given all the equipment needed to heal, and deciding that they will never share that knowledge or do any healing of others. Jesus Christ makes us holy for ministry. Hebrews 10 goes on to say that Jesus Christ makes us holy so that as we hold on to faith, we will spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Those who have faith in Jesus don't simply receive salvation. They don't simply stop in the presence of God. Jesus calls us to ministry, to share what we know and give of ourselves for the sake of others. God made his priests holy not for their own sakes, but so that they could bring people into his presence. And as those who have been brought into God's presence by Jesus Christ, we join the priesthood of all believers. We are those called to point out to others how they can come into God's presence. We're among those now who connect others with God. God makes us holy for worship of him and for ministry. So since we're prepared in Jesus Christ not only to draw near to God ourselves in worship, but also to minister, we have to ask this question. And we're not going to take the time to really do all of the exploring of this question. This is just maybe a, a start. We have to ask, how am I doing this ministry of connecting others to God? Well, yesterday I bought some fruit trees and I planted them. Well, this, I have to, to truly confess, this was after nearly four years about talking about doing this. For so long, the idea of planting the trees was enough. I had been stuck in all the ways that things could go wrong. I'd gotten conflicting advice, or just so, maybe not conflicting, but so many different uh, advice, pieces of advice about doing this. And I had the excuse that there's so many options of different kinds of fruits and then different types of those fruits and there were questions about what was the best timing but nothing happened for four years the challenge for each of us is to discern the shape the ministry of connecting others to god takes for us and to act 
because often we get caught up in making our own holiness secure. The idea of ministry is enough. Ministry is something we'll do when we're ready. We get all sorts of different information about it, and it can be confusing, and we have excuses. We think about all the things that could go wrong in ministry. And we do nothing. But you have been prepared for ministry by Jesus. You have been made holy for ministry by Jesus. And it's time to act. Let's pray. Again, Lord, we are grateful that you love us so much. That in the midst of all that we're going through, that in the midst of all that you've made us to be, you draw us near to your presence. And Lord, you call us to ministry. So show us the way forward in connecting others to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.